Hi, and welcome to another Kirky Free Sermons podcast. We hope that our sermons help you further your understanding of the Word of God and guide you into your own personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Whether you're tuning in on podcast or radio, we're glad that you're here today. Let's jump into this week's message. Well, I would invite you uh, to turn in your Bible this morning to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. My intention is not to remain in Isaiah, but it seemed to me that on the journey to where we are going, it was fitting that we begin here this morning. So Isaiah chapter 43. Now this was a God sent to me this week. Um, I invite you, would you stand once more with me as we read God's word? I'm beginning with verse 16. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior, they lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people the people whom I have formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. You can be seated. Lord, your word means so much to me, and I know it means a great deal to the people sitting here today. It's why we've gathered, Lord, to hear you. And so I just ask, help me today. In Jesus' name, amen. I have had something... turning in my heart and in my mind for some time now, Uh, really since the pandemic came and church as we knew it, really it just came to a screeching halt. And uh, there was much disappointment and frustration with some of that uh, because of what we couldn't do for a time. But I have to say that it really did give me, and I think us, space to think. For example, what is church? Is church merely this place? And if we can't gather in this place, does church cease to be? Well, it brought us back to the truth then that, no, it's not the place you come to, but it's the people you belong to, right? This is the family of God. So no matter where they go, when they gather, there's the church. Or also the question of, 
is the church's function and way only by means of programs. And if we don't have those programs like, like Sunday school or prayer meeting or small groups or Wednesday night or so forth, that the church can no longer function or do outreach or evangelism. And the question or the answer to that is, well, well, no, that would be ridiculous. You don't need a program in order to do outreach or to do evangelism. But I've noted this, and others have as well. In fact, it's been observed that congregations all over North America are, quote, listen now, over-programmed and under-discipled. Over-programmed and under-discipled. Do you know what the pandemic, I think, really gave us? The opportunity to recenter ourselves. The freedom to be unshackled from what we're accustomed to doing, from what we assume, think, must be done. And I think to expand ministry. And really what I want you to do this morning is I want you to have and feel a God-inspired dream for the future. Have you ever thought to yourself or envisioned what this church could be like two years from now or five years from now? I think most of us, if, if we're honest, would probably say, well, I really haven't thought about it, but I guess if I do, I expect the church will pretty much be exactly the way it is now Maybe a few people have passed, maybe a few have added, but basically we'll just, it'll be the same. Perhaps we disbelieve that it, it could be any different. And I think when we've concluded that, it's because we're looking a little bit too much at ourselves and at our own limitations. But just imagine, what if, what if five years from now we had such an Outreach and commissioning, spreading out among our neighborhood that we see this church become ethnically mixed. And we have Hispanic families joining the church. So much so that we think, you know, we might have to hire a a Spanish-speaking pastor to help with the need of it all. You say, well, that would never happen. Well, why not? Because... If we are a church for the neighborhood, and we are, right? Well, they live in the neighborhood, so why wouldn't or couldn't there be Hispanic families here? Or this, what if five years from now every person in the church knows and has a mentor in their life, someone who's speaking into them on a regular basis and is also being mentored by somebody else? I'm just telling you, By the way, what other leaders in your church are dreaming and envisioning could be and could happen here. You say, well, that's that's hard to imagine that, but well, that's the point because it's it's God's size and it has to be something that God can do. But there's nothing wrong with it. It's straight out of the Bible, it's straight out of what God and His Word would expect and want us to experience. The main thing, really the main fruit, the main product of the church should be that disciples are being made. 
And those disciples eventually are able to go and make more disciples. We have to be adaptable, what I'm saying, as to how the Spirit of God is leading. Okay. So what's been on my mind, and with some unease, is that normal has become maybe what we've settled for. right? Because we lost a lot, and therefore we just want to get back to the way things were. But, but we've, we've stopped there. We've set our sights no higher than normal, right? And guess what? For the most part, things are heading that way, right? Life, as you know, is pretty much returning to the way it was before all this. And in part, yeah, we say amen, and that's good. But in part, I think that's also scary. Because what if the disruption to church and to our lives was meant to open our eyes to what maybe God wants to do differently in days to come? So what do we want? Do we, do we just want normal or do we want something new? You want God to do a new thing. Deep down, I don't just want normal. And I don't think you do either. We want to see God do something new. But we're going to have to get our eyes above the horizon of, of normal. And you're going to start needing to pray and to dream some God-sized and listen, God-inspired, meaning they come from the truth of God, what God wants, not our own selfish ambition. Dreams, okay, for, for your life and for your church. And by the way, this is exactly what God wanted his people, Israel, to do, as we read here in the book of Isaiah. So I just want to, I want to glean these few verses with you this morning from this book, okay? Because it seemed to me that we just need to enlarge our heart and our expectation and anticipation of what God could do, okay? There's two things I just want to highlight in this text, okay? I'll, so you know what we're looking at here. Number one, the kind of God our God is. The kind of God He is. That's the first point I want to make. And secondly, the kind of work He does. The kind of God He is, the kind of work He does. Okay. So this portion begins this way, verse 16. Take a look at it there. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters. Now think about that. What's, what's that verse telling you about the kind of God and what this God is capable of doing? Where does he make a path? In the sea. In other words, in places that you would think are inconceivable of there ever being a path. And it may be that even in your life right now, there is a crisis of sorts in which you cannot conceive of there being a way. I don't see a way here. You know, God can make a way where there is none. There's a, a praise song these days that refers to God as the way maker. And that's what you see here, isn't it, in the text? God makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, okay? Now, is this just poetic to make us think how great God is, or, or does this depict something that God actually did? Well, you read it. What event is God describing here? When did God make a path in the sea? You remember? Yeah, through the Red Sea, right? It was the, 
the Exodus event, right? The people of Israel were in bondage. They were in hard servitude. They cried out to God in their distress. And God came to their rescue, right? Of course, Pharaoh was reluctant to let them go, but ten plagues later, he agreed. And so off they went. Of course, Pharaoh changed his mind once again, and he chased them down. God's people found themselves at a dead end, right? They had the the Red Sea in front of them, and behind them, Pharaoh's army coming up fast. They seemed to be cornered, and when in fact, actually, they were perfectly placed. You say, for what? Well, to see and experience the kind of God that was for them. By God's direction, you'll remember Moses raised his hand over the sea and God drove back the waters with a a mighty east wind and the people literally walked through, they say, with water like walls on either side, right? So incredible, monumental salvation that God brought to Israel that day. And you remember that Pharaoh and his armies became hardened at that point and they chased down the Israelites into that path. And now notice verse 17 of Isaiah 43 there. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse. That's referring to he brought the Egyptians down into the sea that day. Right? They lie down. They cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Right? The Israelites looked back and they saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. What kind of God is he? Well, he's a redeeming God. He's a delivering God, right? God the Lord was not only their maker, but their savior. And this was just a monumental moment in Israel's history. I mean, generation after generation would look back at this moment with wonder and praise to God, right? They were always encouraging each other with, with this remembrance. But, but notice this, okay? Notice what God says next in verse 18. As great as that was, he says this, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. You say, well, that's unexpected. I would think God would, would want them to dwell on and to meditate and really focus on how he saved them in the past. You know, there's a danger in dwelling so much on the past work of God in our lives or in our history that it sometimes keeps us from the realization that the God who was is also the God who is. He's still the Redeemer. And what God's telling Israel here is, listen, in the past I showed you that I was your Redeemer but I'm not a one-act wonder. In fact, if I can put it in my own words, you ain't seen nothing yet. Behold, right? Look. Focus your eyes forward. Don't get wrapped up with what happened before. Because I'm not through yet. Now, for a church that has been around as long as ours has, and of course, None of us have been here since the beginning, but many of you have been here a long time. 
And the, the temptation is that it's, it becomes very easy to slip down into memory lane and kind of get left with the thought that, you know, the greatest things are, that happened happen behind us. For example, um, the quilt that hangs in our lobby here. Now, I know the lady who made that quilt and know that she doesn't mind me talking about it today, nor would she mind what we do with it in the future. Okay. Now, in and of itself, it's a great testament, isn't it? You've looked at it, right? You see the, the history there of God's faithfulness to this church. It's a monument to what God has done. And in that, it's a good thing. But I have one reservation about it as I look at this text today. Okay, did you see this? The quilt's done. It's finished. The squares are filled. And apparently, everything just kind of stopped around 19, what is it, 85 or something? So what's been happening since then? Now, it, it, what I'm saying is it gives the impression that the greatest works are behind us and there's no more to see. Now, I don't think that any of us believe that that's true, but what I'm asking is where have we left room to see how God wants to work in the future? There, there should be something anticipating that, listen, there is more to come for this body. The redeeming God is still at work. So if we're going to stick with the quilting theme, now, quilters are becoming a little fewer and fewer these days, but if we're going to stick with that theme, then realistically, there should be another one with empty squares. Because Jesus hasn't come back yet, right? He's not done yet. And there are new things that he intends to do in and through us. Listen, God was about to do something so great for Israel, so incredible that it's going to make the past rescue appear like a shadow, like it was just an appetizer. So what's the new thing that God spoke of to his people? We'll look at it here, right? Verse 19. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, for I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Why? To give drink to my chosen people, the people whom I formed for myself, that they might declare my praise. Now notice how it's described here. I'm going to just point out four things to you, okay? Number one, it springs forth. You see that, right? The new thing, it's springing forth. Number two, it's subtle. You see that, right? Do you not perceive it? In other words, it's not obvious, but it's coming. It's subtle. Number three, it provides a way of salvation. Right? In fact, it's the similar to but opposite from what God did in the past. Before, God's made a way in the sea, right? Dry land through the sea. Now, He's making a way on the dry land, bringing water, bringing the sea, a river, okay? Life in the wilderness. And number four, it will result in His praise. It will result in His praise. So let's consider these briefly, right? God's new thing is, first of all, going to spring forth like a plant. 
That's the imagery there, like a plant comes out of the ground, right? Now, Jeremiah tells us this about a time future to them. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah 23. Or Isaiah also adds in chapter 11, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. See, these verses are talking about a person, a figure. What the Old Testament calls Messiah. Secondly, now, God's new thing must be looked for, must be perceived. The Apostle John writes this in the beginning of his gospel, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. God's new work, the new thing came into the world, right? And he lived and he dwelt and he was there and he was seen, but by and large, people didn't know. They didn't perceive it. So Isaiah's question extends to to us too. Do you not perceive it? What God has done, and I think you know where we're heading with this, but let me bring it home, okay? When a Samaritan woman was drawing water for herself, right, out at Jacob's well one day, a stranger approached her, asked her for a drink. Why are you speaking with me, right? She asked out loud to the stranger. While breaking through the barriers of that day, The stranger replies, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you, now listen, living water. You see, on that day, God brought a river to that woman's wilderness. She had her greatest thirst, quenched. You see, right? The new thing, when God says, behold, I do a new thing, that new thing was him sending his son, Jesus, right? To rescue the world. If anyone thirsts, he said, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living Water, John 7, right? So when Jesus Christ came, the new came with him. And everywhere you look, after Jesus arrived, new things are happening, right? He came with new teaching of a new birth. And those who believe upon him become a new creation. And you will be given a new name. And one day, you will sing a new song in a new heaven and a new earth. Say, to what end has God done this new thing in Jesus Christ? Well, it says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 21, that they might declare my praise. 
That's the goal. That's why. The ultimate purpose. And by the way, Peter borrows this verse from Isaiah, and he applies it to you and me. Just listen what he writes in chapter 2, verse 9 of his letter. But you are a chosen race. Remember, you're to give drink to my chosen people. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim, here it is, the excellencies of him who called you. You may declare his praise, who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Now, I've encouraged you this morning to, to broaden your vision, right? To think, to dream, a God-sized dream about what God has for us. And you say, well, it sounds like the new thing that Isaiah talked about has already happened, right? And when he sent Jesus Christ, and that's true, what God did in Christ cannot be added to. There's not going to be any new thing beyond that. Can't be repeated. It's once and it's done. But there is something that's not done. It's the mission of making known what Christ has done, what God has done, the new thing that He has brought. So listen, my friends, there are new exploits and new adventures that the Holy Spirit has desiring to use us for to take the new thing God has done and get it to the hearts of others in the neighborhood and, yes, to the nations as well. My question is, is your heart open? Is it ready? Is it surrendered? Because, listen, I'm going to tell you something. You can go back to normal. We can do that. Or we can take what God says, I have a new thing but it's going to require boldness. It's going to be unprecedented. It's going to leave you feeling a little raw. You know, our programs, the things that we do, they're pretty safe, I'm going to be honest, because it's here, right? And, and we bring people here, and it doesn't require us to move out and to do something different. But to experience God and watch what he does, we're going to have to take that step. So, that's what's been on my mind. That's what's been on my heart. <clears throat> and I feel like we need to pray about that and be ready for that. So would you join with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for how, God, you call us to continuously look forward. Yes, we look back and find our security and our, our hope and our peace in what Jesus Christ did for us. But we also look forward because we know that he is coming back soon. And Lord, we want to be found when he does come back. in His kingdom work. We don't want to be found regretting that we could have done more. Not that it rests on us. You don't need us, God, but you invite us to be a part of your work. 
So Father, I pray that you would help us at these moments to take steps of faith and trust you for what you have for us. We pray that we can add more monuments to what you are going to do in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. This message was brought to you by the Kirkoven Evangelical Free Church of Kirkoven, Minnesota. If you'd like to get in contact with us, please email us at kirkefree at gmail.com. That's K-E-R-K-E-free at gmail.com. Hi again, Sean and Pastor Josh sitting here from the Kirkoven Evangelical Free Church. Pastor Josh, we've got something fun that we're doing this summer. What is it? Yeah, that's right. We're going to premiere, we're going to watch together the, the video show series called The Chosen. Josh, can you give me a little description about what The Chosen is? Yeah, it's different. Um, it's, a, it's a show based off the life of Christ, and there have been many things produced about Jesus' life on video. But this is different in that it really takes a, um, a fuller view to look at who he was and what who his disciples were in a way that is realistic. And uh, people have found a great way of connecting with the person of Christ through this series. It's completely viewer-funded, and uh, it's, it's very different and unlike anything that's been made before. My wife and I have been watching it, and it's we've really enjoyed it. We feel like we've got a deeper understanding of who Jesus is through it, and it's, it's been entertaining as well. So we're trying to offer this right. just as a fun family event. Probably ages 10 plus would be appropriate for this. We'll have activities for those that are younger if they don't want to watch it. We're also going to be serving some snacks. When is it? Yeah, it's going to start on Thursday, June 17th at 8 o'clock p.m. in our gym here at the church. If you came in the side entrance, uh, we'll have something out there to direct you in. Uh, And we'll continue that every Thursday throughout the summer uh, with the possibility of maybe one or two schedule changes. But you'll just want to check our website for that. Yeah, and on our website, we're going to put a YouTube link for more information on what The Chosen is. You can watch a trailer there. So go ahead go over to our website to get more information. Our website is K-E-R-K-E-F-C dot org. Great. I hope to see you there.